0: Yo, yo, this is Jason Goff from the Full Go podcast. Me and the crew, we like to entertain you. And we're going to do more of that this football season because the Bears should be more intriguing. There should be more fascination. Justin Fields, is this the make or break year? Is DJ Moore the piece that's going to put them over the top? You can catch us on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays or when we have an emergency podcast when we have breaking news. Make sure you follow the Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome into the week 18 Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. Joined as always, actually, I shouldn't say as always, House, because we did actually do a show last week. We were on the Podfather's special podcast. We were helping him out, so we missed you guys last week on the Ringer Gambling Show. But when I'm here, I am always joined by my good friend and compadre, the one and only Joe House. House, week 18 is upon us. The playoffs are going to be starting Sunday night. We've got lines that are going to be posted. We're going to be handicapping the playoffs starting Sunday night. I can't wait for that. But before then, there are some opportunities to play some bets and find those props, which are few and far between right now. They need to post these lines a little bit sooner. Lots of uncertainty, of course, as we're going to discuss here for Week 18. But how do you feel entering the Week 18 weekend How are you feeling about these games? Some of your confidence levels? Do you like betting week 18 because so many things are up in the air? Do you bet smaller? Just tell the people kind of your strategy and philosophy and how you're feeling.
1: Yeah, well, I'm feeling great because the playoffs are really officially upon us. Several of these games on this week 18 slate are playoff games because the teams that lose will go home. Now, many teams are going home, but we have 20 teams still with a chance to slide into the playoffs. We have the outcome of a couple divisions yet to be decided, so it is big-time stuff. It gets the playoff juices flowing, Sharpie. Now, parting is such sweet sorrow. I do hate this moment, but as I put on the Twitter machine, Parlaying is wonderful, and we will find some opportunities (laughs) to parlay. The one reminder, and all the smart folks with content in the NFL betting space, have been reminding us all week to not, do not, cannot, please don't overcompensate on the motivation angle. There, there is loads of evidence that teams who ostensibly are playing for nothing, go up against teams that are playing for everything and kick their ass. So I am looking for those kinds of angles this week, Sharpie, and there are a handful of teams that fit that model. There's also some really fun narrative stuff, like if this is Bill Belichick's last game as the head coach of the New England Patriots, is he really going to countenance, losing to the bum Robert Sala and the bum Jets at uh, uh, Gillette Stadium up there in Foxboro. I can't see it happening, Sharpie. There's some fun narrative stuff like that out there, but it's just a great week, uh, great slate, and the juices are flowing. You can tell, bud. Yeah, no, that's great. And,
2: and I don't disagree whatsoever, especially with that angle of need to win the game versus may not be motivated at all, because... So many of the times these teams that aren't motivated at all end up covering the spreads and in large part it's because of what the primary job of an odds maker is. The primary job of an odds maker in general is very few times that you're actually out there trying to state a strong position that's encouraging lopsided action because you know the result of a game. That happens but very rarely. Primarily what you're looking to do is you're looking to balance the action, more so balance the dollars so that you ensure yourself making a profit on that game via the juice. And as a result, you can charge a tax on certain games. Because you know the public is betting on what they think needs to happen because everybody in the media is talking about what needs to happen. And when that happens and all these people start then saying, well, yeah, this is the team that needs to win this game. This other team doesn't care about it. These lines get out of whack very quickly uh, because of some of that early betting action and the public coming in on those games. And oftentimes week 18 or week 17 in years past, It's been a great strategy for bettors to either get involved early or come in late, trying to align themselves with what does the bookmaker need? What do they need to Mm. have the outcome be in a lot of these games? Because we know the bookmaker, generally speaking, is not going to get his ass handed to him in week 18 and the public just crush week 18. That usually is not the way that these things uh, tend to go. And there's a couple of examples last year where like, we were on the Lions big in that Sunday night game where the Packers needed to win the game to make the playoffs. The Lions had nothing to play for, it was on the road, in Lambeau. And I remember that great Jamal Williams interview after the game where he was just going in every which direction. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But let's start talking about a game where both of these teams need to win. And it's the Big time game on Saturday Night House, the AFC South championship game, as you kind of were alluding to it. We've got early playoff games here. The Texans travel to the Indianapolis Colts and take on Gardner Minshew, Shane Steichen, his first year there. Obviously, we got a rookie head coach as well with D'Amico Ryans for the Houston Texans. How are you handicapping this game? Obviously, these teams met a long while ago. Some of these games in the rematches are a little bit more recent. These two teams met a while ago. But how are you handicapping this one? And do you have any bets that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, this game was played so long ago between these two division rivals that Anthony Richardson had two rushing touchdowns. That That's how long ago. Uh, you know, rem- Remember that guy, Anthony Richardson? Uh, the, the future quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, we'll begin by giving kudos to Shane Steichen and these Indianapolis Colts for, you know, taking this opportunity to flip a script on, on everybody. Uh, The anticipation was that this would be a transition year with a very raw subject at quarterback. You know, they drafted Richardson ostensibly for his athletic prowess. It proved out the first couple of games. He looked absolutely fantastic. but. Steichen with Gardner Minshew, they had a pre-existing relationship from the time together in Philadelphia, and it turned into something that, like, look at this competitive Indianapolis team. So fun reminder, um, as we, uh, you know, look towards trying to handicap futures next season, what, what new coach and, and, and quarterback combo, uh, is out there. But for the purposes of this game, Houston as a slight favorite feels like feels fine to me. Um this game feels like a complete uh, uh coin flip to me. I don't have a strong, you know, feeling. I I do think that ultimately the outcome of the game is decided by which of these two quarterbacks it late in the game commits some kind of mishap, mistake uh that 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 changes the, the trajectory. I think both teams are capable of points. They the te- Texans and Colts play at a crazy high pace. Indianapolis is healthy offensively. Um Houston uh not not quite there, although it very happy to have Nico and CJ Stroud back. Both teams top five in pace uh this this season. So it feels to me like maybe it could be a back and forth game. The Colts Defense seems like it, 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 it's decent, but then you look at the string of quarterbacks that they played against. Their last eight games have been against Aiden O'Connell, Taylor Heineke, Mitch Trubisky, Jake Browning, Will Levis, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young. Uh, not a murderer's row, and both of these teams bottom five DVOA. No, they've played all opposing offenses um, in the bottom five of DVOA. So not that impressive. I don't really have a feel for this one other than perhaps playing the over. And I think the number's sitting around 47 and a half or 48.
2: So you're right to mention those quarterbacks. I'll get to them in terms of who the Indianapolis Colts have played. But the biggest thing to me when I'm approaching this game is you're looking at quarterbacks, you're looking at coaching staffs, uh, and you're looking at whether or not they match up well against the corresponding defense. And Gus Bradley plays the highest rate of cover three of any defensive coordinator in the NFL. He does not have the personnel to execute it at a high level. And that's part of the reason why the Indianapolis Colts defense has struggled a lot this season. Now you're going up against a quarterback who is eviscerating cover three. And it's funny to say that, eviscerating, like use that terminology because we're talking about a rookie in C.J. Stroud, but yet since week nine, he ranks number one in the NFL in EPA per attempt against cover three, number two in yards per attempt, number one in percentage of attempts that gained 15 plus yards. He loves playing cover three. This defense gives C.J. Stroud no problems whatsoever. When they played week two, the Colts were in cover three on 62% of his dropbacks. He threw for two touchdowns and 243 yards against that coverage he threw for 384 yards total in the game. The other thing that C.J. Stroud will love about this matchup, even though it's on the road, is the fact that Gus Bradley's defense does not get pressure, and they do not blitz. And we've talked about CJ Stroud early and often this season, how bad he is when he's pressured, how good he is when he is kept clean. He is number two in EPA per attempt, number seven in success rate, number three in yards per attempt when he's kept clean, averaging 9.3 yards per attempt. But when he is pressured, number two in EPA drops to 27. Number seven in success rate drops to 35. Number three in yards per attempt drops to number 30 down from 9.3 to 5.4 yards per attempt. This Indianapolis Colts defense ranks number 31 in blitz rate, number 30 in pressure rate. So he's going to have time in the pocket to execute and pick apart a defense that he really enjoys playing against cover three defense of Gus Bradley. It's hard for me to envision the Houston Texans winning this game unless CJ Stroud goes off. And Nico Collins goes off as well here. And I do think that is a distinct possibility because you look at this Houston Texans offense, there's no Tank Dell. They're down Tank Dell. Tank Dell was injured. You're also down your number three wide receiver. So mainly you're focusing on Nico Collins, which is why I like Nico Collins over his receiving yards. Um, The Houston Texans do like to run the ball, but I think they're gonna have their most success passing. And that presumes that they actually have a lead in this game. If they're trailing, they're definitely going to throw throw the ball a lot. And this game is basically very close to a pick'em. So there's a good chance that the Indianapolis Colts are leading at various points in this one. Um I would say a little note, don't want to get too much into this note house, but just a little little uh heads up and we're gonna cover refs a lot more in the mm. in the in the postseason. Uh, we're going to cover refs. If you guys tune into any podcast for this postseason and you want to hear a lot of ref discourse, I highly suggest you start tuning in to our show on the Ringer Gambling Show every Friday. We are going to hit you up with a lot of ref discourse. If you tweet these stats out, I may retweet them. I am not going to tweet them myself. I'm (laughs) going to try to keep it on the down low a little bit. But if you start tweeting out some stats that you heard on the Ringer Gambling Show, tag the Ringer, tag me, tag House. Maybe I'll retweet them. But Bill Vinovich is refing this game. Bill Vinovich is not very good for home teams. He has Mm. not been very good for home teams the last three years, in fact. Only 36% ATS for home teams the last three years, the second worst rate in the NFL. So look, we got, we got all these ref stats at my fingertips. I got a guy who writes articles up on the website. I got a lot of inf- information here. I'm going to use it sparingly on the show. So we're not giving away too many edges here. It's not the end all be all of handicaps, but it is a factor that you would want to incorporate, especially in games like this. Why is this guy refing this game? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe because the NFL would love to absolutely love to see C.J. Stroud in the playoffs, his rookie season, who gives a shit about Gardner Minshew <laughs> at this point in his career. Well, are you so,
1: saying this is in the script? Just, are you saying C.J. Stroud is in the script, Sharpie? Is that what you're telling us? I'm
2: not saying that at all. I'm just saying uh the NFL probably wouldn't be sad if that were to happen, right? I mean, I don't think that they would be sad if they could start advertising C.J. Stroud making the playoffs. That doesn't mean that he's going to get there, just just because the NFL wouldn't be sad about it does not mean anything. So, um, you know, this guy likes to call games that favor road teams covering the spread. Um, that basically means the Houston Texans would need to win this game outright. I think it's a fabulous game. I'm really looking forward to it. Saturday night,
1: Cap. Uh, I, I cannot wait. This is one of the best games of the weekend, House. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm excited as well. What a way to, to, to get things going. And that's on the heels of the Steelers and the Ravens. But we'll, we'll cover that one shortly.
2: Yeah, we're going to get to that one when we talk about scanning the board because there's some interesting line movement there and the fact that this is one of those motivational angles where the Ravens don't need it, the Steelers do, and so the line is inflated. We like to talk about games where the lines are off a little bit. That's going to come in the scanning the board. Before we get there, let's talk about this Bears-Packers game. Okay, This one does not have as much of a uh, shift in the line because the game is in Green Bay. Green Bay is lying three points there, thus... Perceived as a slightly better team than the Chicago Bears. I don't think anybody would say that there's that much of a need to win baked into this. Would you say that house? I mean, the, the line is three. If these two teams were equal, uh, on level playing field, maybe it's, maybe it's two when you factor in a little bit of home field advantage for Lambeau, which does get a little bit more. And then you factor in the case that, uh, we've got a quarterback who has not had much success against the Green Bay Packers in terms of Justin Fields. Um, What is he? 0-5, I believe, yeah. against the Green Bay Packers in his career. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of extra juice that's baked into this spread uh, compared to some of the other ones. But what is your take on a good ha- handicapping strategy to utilize in this game, and what are you liking?
1: Well, it's fun because this one has two very strong competing trends like bashing into each other uh, collision style and you know the 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 fact that the Chicago Bears um, get to play spoiler against the Green Bay Packers is is so delightful uh, in view of how good the Bears have been over their last eight games. You and your crew, Did a wonderful write up on one very under reported, under noticed angle. And that is the addition quietly to the defensive scheming personnel. The bears acquired, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Maybe you'll have it on the tip of your tongue, but they have somebody helping. And since that time, their defense has become a top five defense in the, in the entire league. The bears, in fact, are six, one and one against the spread in their. Last eight games, the against the spread loss was by a half point uh, in their loss to Cleveland. That game was a game that they absolutely kind of had in hand, it felt like. Um, The defense is allowing 15.2 points per game over the last five games. And, you know, uh, uh, Green Bay, especially susceptible to rushing yards. That sets up well for the way that the Bears like to establish their offense, Justin Fields with his legs, Khalil Herbert with his legs. On the other hand, the Packers have owned the Bears. I mean, Aaron Rodgers kept telling them that he's their <laughs> daddy. You can't really argue with 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 that particular thing. It's one thing, uh, you know, where uh, Aaron Rodgers is actually right. He actually has a, a, a you know his head on correctly here on planet Earth. For, for that particular thing, and in fact, this season, without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers um, smacked the, 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 the Bears pretty good back in September. Um, I can't, in good conscience, do anything with uh, Green Bay and Joe Barry. Green Bay um, had every opportunity to avoid the fate that they are confronted with right now. By taking care of business at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. And what Joe Barry did in terms of malpractice scheming with this Bears, I mean, with this Packers defense, it's arguably a top three Baker Mayfield game in his entire career. So I cannot, in good conscience, get myself into a back the berry, back that defense kind of position, but I do love this rich conflict between these two division rivals, the opportunity for the Bears to play spoiler, the very uh, a rosy future for the for the Chicago Bears here, and how closely it mimics what we saw last year with the Detroit Lions, who look like the bright future uh, team on the horizon in the NFC North, and by golly, here we are. The NFC North Division winners, the, the Detroit Lions, well, it kind of started. They they really put themselves on the national stage by beating the Packers at Lambeau last year, right?
2: Absolutely. No, they did, and that was a fun game. We discussed that one as, as one that we were on last year. It was the last game of the weekend, which is now the Bills-Dolphins game, Uh, and there was a spoiler there, knocking out the Green Bay Packers' Uh, and when you look at this game here, you're talking about Phil Snow, who came over, uh, was a That's Carolina the Panthers defensive coordinator, uh, now has been helping as a defensive consultant for the Chicago Bears. And there's no doubt about it. This team certainly has been getting substantially better defensively. Uh, the one thing that I'm looking at when I'm focusing on, again, quarterbacks and how do they match up? Because all these games are divisional games. So, how do these teams match up against one another, especially from a, you know, which quarterback is better and then which quarterback has had success against this defensive coordinator? That's where I do have, I don't want to say concerns. Mm. Well, I guess I I guess I would say concerns. Justin Fields, what Justin Fields in an ideal scenario, we just talked about C.J. Stroud. He loves to play cover three. Uh, he loves it when you're not getting pressure on him. Most quarterbacks do. Justin Fields loves to play man and loves to have people blitz him. It seems backwards, but when you're blitzing him, he's getting rid of the ball to guys running free in man coverage. It's easy for him to get rid of the ball quickly. He's going for his first or second read. He's Otherwise, he's scrambling. He's excellent at that. What the Packers do, as many faults as Joe Barry has had, which I think the guy sucks, but He knows how to play Justin Fields somehow. And, you know, he played man coverage on zero passing plays in week one. Zero. He played zone coverage. They did not send pressure. In the five meetings that he has had where Justin Fields is 0 5, they've blitzed him only 24% of the time that's 5 percentage points lower than their average blitz rate so they don't blitz Justin Fields nearly as much and for good reason when they do blitz fields he's averaging 8.8 yards per attempt um so they have not had success when they've blitzed him um and when they have not blitzed him rather he's averaging 6.6 yards per attempt uh when they did blitz him in week 1 he was 9 for 11 8. 8, 8.7 yards per attempt. So a great day when a great uh result when they were blitzing gr- uh, for Justin Fields and a bad result for the Packers. So they're not going to blitz. They're probably going to play a lot of zone coverage. What the Bears are going to need to do therefore, for house is get a lot of production on the ground out of Khalil Herbert. And this rushing attack, in my opinion. And I think they will. I think they will be able to do that. Uh, Since week 11, no team has played a more difficult schedule of run defenses than the Chicago Bears. They've played five top 10 run defenses in those six games. The only game that they played a run defense that was ranked outside of the top 10, they ran for exactly 250 yards. In that game, exactly 250, 6.4 yards per carry. Now, the Packers, on the other hand, that run defense has not played very many good run offenses since week 11. In fact, they've played only one run offense that ranked above average. They also played run offenses that ranked number 28, number 29, number 31, and number 32. The Lions running backs had a lot of success against them, and the Vikings running backs were having some semblance of success prior to the fact that Jaron Hall, throws interceptions, is a terrible quarterback, and gets the team in such a hole that they can no longer run the football late in that game. So I think if Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears team want to have some success, they have to cross their fingers, hope that Joe Barry forgets that the way to play him is to not blitz and to play coverage and play zone, uh, or get a lot out of the ground game. On the other side of the ball, I do think like you've got some injuries for this Chicago Bears defense. The weather looks to be absolutely perfect. Big question mark, East Coast weather, Midwest weather, what's it going to be? People were betting some of these games under early in the week, thinking that's a big Nor'easter is going to come up the coast. How's you and I live out here? We know there was talk about that, absolutely. But guess what? This storm is now coming Saturday night, and it's going to be rain. It's not going to be Sunday at all. And therefore, none of these games on the East Coast really, especially the one in D.C., Baltimore, probably not going to be affected by any of that. And in Green Bay, this weather is actually supposed to be really nice um, from what I'm seeing. If anything, a little bit of light flurries, not going to do anything. No winds, decent temperatures as well. Um, uh, so for those reasons, I-, I think there might be some points here in this one Ooh, uh, because okay. the Bears have nothing to lose. They yeah. truly don't. They're not resting anybody for any particular reason. They want to come out here and spoil the Green Bay Packers season. Uh, and I think Justin Fields is looking to put on a show. His offensive teammates are going to be playing hard for him because they want him to come back. And I think it sets up for a perfect Petri dish uh, atmosphere of the Packers offense being good, Barry being kind of a moron, and the Chicago Bears playing with nothing to lose offensively.
1: Forty-five points is the total right now. I really like where you're headed with this, especially in view of the confidence that you have about the weather of prospects here. Forty-five feels light. I mean, I can sit down and look up the Bears totals, but the—I mean, the the uh, Packers totals, but Packers games. I think they've gone over in like eight straight games. Seven right, or eight they've, eight straight been a, games. they've been a truck exactly, an over truck. A, a real a real anomaly in this season of the under. Okay, we've got one. I like that one. Over Bears Packers. And then we can look at maybe some of those um player props that correlate with an over kind of concept. Maybe some Jordan Love, maybe some Justin Fields, maybe some Khalil Herbert. I okay. All right. I I'm picking up what you're what you're dropping here. All right. I like that one. Bears a spoiler. There's a spoiler. Now, speaking of
2: the opposite side, maybe, because I know where you're already headed with this one a little bit, but the Sunday night game, the final game before the playoffs are decided all the way through, we get lines posted on all these games. We could start racing to the books to try to bet these things Sunday night. But before we can do that, we have to see if the Buffalo Bills are going to make the playoffs. And in order to do so, by and large, they basically have to beat the Miami Dolphins. Now, there are scenarios where that may not necessarily be the case, but the Bills basically need to win this game. The Dolphins don't have to win it, but they certainly would love to win it. What do you make of this game? The Buffalo Bills on the road, laying the points in Miami against a banged up Miami Dolphins team. Total sits right around 49 points for this one. It was a little bit higher. It's taken a little bit of under money, but it's still just above that key number of 48.
1: Yeah, so I feel like this is a number in terms of the spread that... Um the books have set contemplating an overreaction in the market to the injuries that the Dolphins have experienced and an overreaction to the way the Dolphins looked against the Baltimore Ravens, because that is an enormous um, spread for, for, for a, a division rival road team coming in here. Now, we know what's at stake for Buffalo. We know what's at stake for, for both teams and we we ought not to, uh, you know, undersell how important home field is to either one of these these two teams. The curious thing is what we have gotten accustomed to in seeing these two teams. I don't think necessarily is the 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 prevailing way this thing is going to go down. Uh, and what I'm talking about, especially, is Buffalo. Against, um, Miami and more particularly Josh Allen against Miami. Josh Allen averages, you know, well over 250 yards passing the ball when, when they, when these two teams play, he has a great record against Miami. Um, and most of it has come through explosive offense. The, 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 the Bills offense, however, has been very quiet. He, he, he had a game with seven completions on 20 attempts against New England. I think last week he just ended up with with uh, 15 completions. Um, the Bill's offense since the bye week, 23rd in passing success rate, 15th in dropback EPA. This is not your parents uh, offensive bills with with Josh Allen at the helm. Um, and we've seen some James Cook pops. But it hasn't really been uh, sustained. On the other side of the ball, we know about the injuries that Miami's um, experienced to key defensive personnel. But kind of in general, um, Miami's defense has hasn't been uh, good over the last you know four or five games. They they had um, a, a, a a bad game against. The Ravens, obviously, but also, you know, a bottom tier game defensively against the Cowboys, even though they won that game. Um, And over the last month, the Dolphins rank defensively is behind behind the Tennessee Titans, the Carolina Panthers and the Washington Commanders somehow. So. You know, this is uh, a game where I don't really have a good feel for points flying around on the board. And you can add in there the fact that, you know, Miami's offensive weapons are, are dinged. The total of 49, I kind of love the under. Well, look,
2: few things have frustrated me more than, aside from the Philadelphia Eagles offense, than what the Buffalo Bills offenses look like this season. House, like, like, I, I just... You know, when you got, and a lot of teams are struggling, a lot of teams are struggling, but like what I can't wrap my head around is you go and play the New England Patriots who are the NFL's number one run defense and you don't throw passes with Josh Allen, nor do you target your running back out of the backfield where the Patriots are like a bottom five defense against running back passes. They're the best defense against running back runs. And yet you're not trying to get James Cook involved out of the backfield. No, this doesn't come as like, uh in spite, I didn't have any single prop bets on this game whatsoever from that regard. So I, I, I and nor did I bet the game. So I don't care about the result uh, from hurting my pocketbook, but it made no sense tactically and strategically that they would use that strategy to attack the New England Patriots. Um, I don't understand the way that they're not getting Stefan Diggs involved. Um, we saw that nice spark that this offense had for a couple of weeks there. And and then it fizzled out so fast. And we were just talking about how this team is the team to, you know, be scared of and make the playoffs. And now, like, they have got a good defense to your point. But other than that, are we really scared of this offense? Like, is Josh Allen even playing good? Are we having a lot of upside here. So now you're talking about a team that's going on the road. And my only regret for this game is that the Miami Dolphins weren't healthier defensively mm-hmm. uh, or a little bit more healthy offensively because then I would absolutely have already been on the Miami Dolphins here taking the three. It's down to two and a half at some spots. But um I, I just I don't disagree with your thought process there whatsoever. um this is this is a Potential for a lower scoring game. We're down weapons for Tua. Tua himself is dinged up a little bit. You're down running backs. You're down offensive linemen. You're down receivers. It's going to be a challenge. This is where Sean McDermott needs to step up and make his money. It's also interesting, just to throw out there, that the referee for this game is Alex Kemp. And Mr. Kemp has called games in favor of the road team covering the spread at the third highest rate of any referee over the last three years. Home teams are a mere 18 and 29 ATS. That's 38%. ATS is what home teams are when Alex Kemp is on the call. Um, Once again, would it be the worst thing in the world for the NFL to have CJ Stroud and Josh Allen in the playoffs? Would there be better options? Would they rather see uh, Mason Rudolph in the playoffs. Like, I mean, there's ways to sell playoff games and there's ways not to sell playoff games. And I'm not saying that they can force certain things to happen, but you do have a ref who got assigned to this game who tends to allow road teams to cover the spread, which similar to Houston. If the road team were to cover the spread, the Buffalo Bills would be winning this game outright. Once again, I I view this as just a small element of handicapping. Um but it is a small factor and I'm mentioning it. Like I said, we're going to mention these types of things throughout the postseason. It is not the way that I would be betting games. And once again, the disclaimer that is not a conspiracy theorist thought process here that this is actually what is definitely going to happen because the NFL wants them in. It's just, would they prefer to have Josh Allen in the playoffs or Mason Rudolph? I think the answer is obvious, but the Buffalo Bills still have to go out there and win a game on the road. They've owned the Miami Dolphins. They've had a lot of success here, but their offense is not clicking. I probably would not hate your side here, House, and look a little bit towards a lower scoring
1: game. Okay, we've got two. I I have my pen. I'm putting it in ink.
2: All right, momentarily, let's hit scanning the board. We'll recap bet the house. We'll get the betting buddies. But first, let's take a break. Now let's go to a scanning the board. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore Ravens. This rivalry is incredible, House. I mean, these two teams do not like each other. They play very physical games against one another. All that being said, remarkably, the Pittsburgh Steelers own this rivalry. They're 6-1 and in their last seven games. And, you know, I've gone on record... We've talked about it a lot, how you need to attack this Baltimore Ravens defense. You need to do it with the run game. I can't tell you how frustrated I get. Not that I bet the Miami Dolphins last week, but you've got teams like the Dolphins, like the 49ers who are going up against the Ravens who are having success when they do choose to run the football in the first half of the game when the scoreboard is tied at zero or within reach because the Ravens haven't taken a big lead yet and yet you decide to lean more into your passing game into these complex looks that Mike McDonald tricks you and uses his sim pressures and drop guys into coverage. And then the quarterbacks end up making more mistakes. And you then have to move away from the run because you're down by too many points at that point in the game and you have no other option. Whereas a stupid team like the Pittsburgh Steelers with a dumbass offensive coordinator comes into these games and he runs the ball at one of the highest rates in the NFL. And no, it's not overly successful because he's very predictable in how he runs the football. And I know they have since fired Matt Canada, but the point is he was there for a lot of these games when the Steelers were winning. And yes, Mike Tomlin has done a great job defensively against Lamar Jackson. And no, we're not going to see Lamar Jackson here, but there is something to be said about the fact that the Steelers just come in fucking play old-school football and run the ball a lot against the Baltimore Ravens, attack the weakness, force them to load up extra defenders in the box, and then you can hopefully have a couple of targeted passes that find some success through the air against the secondary that is substantially worse when they are playing with a loaded box and fewer defenders in coverage or that they can utilize to simulate pressures, et cetera. And that's exactly what the Steelers have done. And they've had a lot of success in terms of the game results with that. So all of that being said, House, right now, was four, is down to three and a half now at a lot of books. What do you make of this Pittsburgh Steelers game? This is the one that's gonna get us kicked off first and foremost, and maybe talk a little bit about the point spread here, which again, like I said, uh, was as high as four. It's dropping back down a little bit here, but this is a massive point spread for a road team to be laying in Baltimore even though Pittsburgh is in a must win situation um the Baltimore Ravens thrive in playing these games when there's nothing to be gained with a win such as all these preseason games that they continue to win for no good reason except they like winning games especially at home
1: i mean you just you you stole all the thunder i'm so happy job well done that's literally the 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 entirety of the case. What possible explanation could there be? I don't mind the idea of Pittsburgh as the tiniest of 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 favorites. If you want to make them a favorite of of one or one and a half, okay. You know that they they you can play that motivational. Three and a half or four points is effing preposterous. It <laughs> it, it, it 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 suggests a state of the world. Um, between these two teams that 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 doesn't exist and doesn't apply the Ravens he, here's the thing the, the the rosters are not big enough for the Ravens to bring in conceptually all second stringers that's it's just not the way that that um you know the roster construction has developed in NFL football. Now, at some point, uh, maybe is in our previews for next year or something, I do want to sit down with you and have a little bit of a conversation. I, I, I shared this on East Coast Bias. I would really love it if we're going to live in this world where the NFL um, has 18 weeks and we might be moving to an 18-game schedule. I think that they could... Borrow from what baseball does, which is an expanded roster as the season comes towards an end, carry a practice squad that's that's double or one and a half times, you know, the, the size that it currently is, because the most important thing for this product for the NFL and when we're in these months of of December and January and playoffs is healthy bodies. We want to see these teams with their stars be as competitive as possible. We don't want to see backup quarterbacks. We don't want to see, you know, um uh you know way down the line um guys replacing the the big time players because of the attrition of playing these long schedules. But as long as we're in this side of roster structure where it's 53 the Ravens 53 is pretty goddamn good Warren sharp I mean they they show it a uh, weekend week out they've shown it to us during the entirety of Harbaugh's tenure and your point about the preseason thing like they want to win every goddamn game they step on the field and play they don't they don't um you know just just wave the flag under any circumstances so. This, this, this number's crazy. I'm definitely playing the Ravens as long as it's over three, three and a half is fine. Four is, 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 a delight. Pittsburgh may ultimately win this game, but like, remember what this Baltimore Ravens team with Ty Huntley at quarterback in Cincinnati in the playoffs last year were on the one yard line, about to score and potentially win that game, and then they fumbled, and there was a ninety nine yard fumble recovery for a score, and the game was over. But this Ravens team, with with this set of of guys at, at their positions, it's a deep team. Uh, I mean, you 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 go against them at your own peril, is is my view, Warren.
2: Yeah, and the interesting part about this one, I've heard the the thought process. Uh, deep down in the minds of, you know, trying to dig up uh, kind of interesting angles to attack that the Ravens, if the Ravens were to lose this game, it would make it more difficult for the Buffalo Bills to make the playoffs and thus, more likely that they don't have to face the Bills several games from now, as opposed to facing the Steelers several games from now, which would then benefit the Ravens. So they should probably try to lose this game. It's a great theory, like uh, whoever thought it up. You know, that's kudos to you. I, I don't know that that's how John Harbaugh approaches these types of things, though. Um, Without having a game next week because they earned the bye, I'm assuming he's just going to come out, especially in front of his home fans who paid and bought tickets to come to this game. And I think he he does consider those things very closely. Uh, he's going to try to win this game. And the interesting part about this series house is that the underdog does really well. Yes, and the reason incredible. the underdog does so well in this series is because it is hard to score a lot of points because of the way the Steelers play offense in this series. They like to keep things contained. And then you got Huntley, who's not going to be just chucking the ball all over the place because Odell Beckham's already out of this game. And they're not going to have a ton of wide receivers. They don't already have a thin depth chart at receiver. So I don't expect... Tyler Huntley to come out and chuck the ball all over the field. And thus the Ravens are probably going to be scoring points in bunches through the air early. And as a result, it means that there's probably a good chance, hence the point total of only being 35, that this game is lower scoring. And that is the way this series has trended. The under has gone, has hit in six of the last seven games that they've played during the stretch where the Steelers are six and one. The under is hit in six of those seven games, and that's despite the fact that the total on average has only been 40.9 points. And the reason that the underdogs have done so well is because there's not as many points that are scored in this game. So points are more valuable. To your point, that three and a half or the four is so much more valuable in this particular series than the three would be especially in the higher scoring games, underdogs in this series, as a result of fewer points being scored are a ridiculous, like asinine 15 and two ATS since 2015. They are eight, no ATS since 2015 when they catch more than three points. So those favors, as well as the way that the Ravens tend to fight and just it's, it's, ingrained in their core. They want to win games because of the way that Harbaugh coaches. I think they're going to fight with whoever's out on that field until the very last whistle and try to knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers, their hated rival, and then deal with whatever else comes down the road for them. That being said, once again, I have maintained the way to beat the Ravens is to run the football. The Steelers are very likely to do that and the Steelers have had a lot of success here. So, This there's no way I'm laying the points with the Steelers here right now. I do wonder what happens to this line as more Ravens continue to get announced out. Will this line trickle up? Because when you're sitting here on Saturday morning and you're the general public and you're wanting to bet on only two games, standalone games on a Saturday, and the first one's not till four o'clock Eastern time, and you're looking at the fact that the Steelers are playing every fucking body, right? Everybody is there. They're playing everybody because Congrats. they have to win this game. Congratulations. And the Ravens are sitting this guy and that guy and another guy and a fourth guy and a fifth guy and a tenth guy because they don't want to get all those guys banged up for the playoffs. I, I got to believe that more money is then going to come on this game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you like the Ravens at that point, you can theoretically get an even better number than what you're getting right now.
1: Mm. Okay, well then, great. I hope that's exactly what happens so that I get, give me four and a half or five. I mean, give me something insane for, for, for the Ravens. Exactly right. And then, then we'll jump in with both feet. I do have to very quickly offer my Joe House commentary to the idea that the Ravens would lose to avoid playing the bill, the bills. Sharpie, Baltimore, you know this. Scare money don't make money. They don't give a fart about. Oh, we're going to avoid this opponent in our stadium in the playoffs. Get the f out of here! I will. I don't. The c- congratulations to the in- innovative thinking. But you, you know this from being here at the DMV. That's nonsense talk. That's not how the Ravens get down, baby. I, I won't. I won't. No. I won't tolerate it. Agree. Agree. So now we're going
2: to go to your bet the house segment. And we talked about a bunch of these games. We talked about some of the key games that matter. We're obviously not touching on a lot of the games that don't really matter uh, for this week. But whether we've discussed this game or we haven't, do you have a bet for the people. That is going to take you to that 10 win mark on the season and get you out the door successfully this year. Uh, we still are going to roll this over into the postseason. I don't know yes. if you want to start a new record in the No, postseason. no, no. We keep
1: going. It's a, it's a we season keep going? record. Okay. Yeah. We run it season all the way record. through. Okay. Yeah. We're trying. So let's get
2: number 10. Let's get number 10. Let's take. Let's not put the cart before the horse
1: here. What do you like this week? I want everybody. Look, I, I could play it right down the middle. I could be very safe, very soft. I'm not doing that. We're going for a nice big chunk of return on investment in wake, week 18. So the bankroll has a little bulge in it, Sharpie.
2: Greed is good. That's your motto this
1: week, huh? Well, he, here's <laughs> what I like I'm okay. playing a money line parlay, and we're taking, I mentioned it at the top of the show, Bill Belichick in Foxborough going up against a team that he has enjoyed clowning perhaps more than any other team in his entire tenure. And that's the New York Jets. They are The, the Patriots are very small favorites against the Jets. The number for the Patriots on the money line right now is minus 126. Um, and more than anything, if you want to get into the X's and O's, this, this New England defense has been fantastic the last seven or eight games. The Jets are putting Trevor Simeon out on the football field. I mean, come on. There was some idea that there was going to be snow up there. And, you know, the total was ridiculously low. I think it's still crazy low. But this is just a narrative game that I'm I'm prepared to play. And I'm parlaying this Belichick possible farewell swan song. I don't really uh, think that's what's in the cards, but who the hell knows. I know for sure he's not losing to the Jets in week 18 of this season. I'm parlaying it with the New York Giants, Sharpie, who are big dogs to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Giants have been super live over the last six weeks, and especially so they have found the best quarterback on their roster. His name is Tyrod Taylor and they are out there giving teams the business. Here is the 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 thesis. Um Giants absolutely positively not rolling over for anybody under any circumstances. We're right there that whole game against the Rams, tried to win that game, had the game-winning kick, went for went for two, uh, you know, after scoring a late touchdown. The play was there. Tyrod just shot putted the damn thing a little bit, missed Saquon wide open. But really, this comes down to the Philadelphia Eagles scoreboard watching and watching the Dallas Cowboys get up by two scores or 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 17 points you know, three touchdowns against the C-words down here in the DMV and say, you know what? You know what's the best thing for just for for, for Mr. Hurts, for Jalen Hurts? Let's get some, 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 uh, ice on those legs. Let's get that man into a nice ice bath. Let's get him into a hyperbaric chamber and let's, let's get Darius Slay off the football field. Let's get Hassan Reddick out of, uh, pass coverage. Matt, let's get him away from Matt Patricia altogether, but let's have him, you know, not out trying to chase, uh, running backs coming out of the backfield. Let's put this whole thing on ice and get into the playoffs with as much health as possible. For the Philadelphia Eagles, which sets up very nicely for a, a Giants win on the FanDuel Sportsbook parlay machine. That is plus 438 right now. And that is the bet the house this week, Warren Sharp.
2: Well, there you go. They're not correlated at all. Like no. there's not one that's relying on the other. Nope. Um, so you know, you, you could just play these separately and still have fun with it. Um, I I, I, Do I respect both. the greed. I respect the greed. Do both to go individually. Then go ahead and parlay. I will say to your point on the New York Giants, um, they're not quitting a- at all. They are not going to be looking to rest guys or try to play for a loss in this particular game. The Philadelphia Eagles knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Um, They're looking to try to win this game. They nearly won the game last week against the Rams. And let's face it, I mean, the honeymoon is over for Brian Dayball. Like last year was outstanding, fun as hell. Really enjoyable watching it from afar as I'm looking at, at at what Dayball is doing up there in New York. Uh this year, the offense hasn't been as good. The team hasn't been quite as good. The players haven't been nearly as good, like they've had lots of injuries as well. And so there are probably lower expectations. The schedule has been more difficult as well. So there's a lot of reasons why the Giants have not been as good. But I can tell you this, there is no way in hell that with the media market the way that it is in New York... Brian Dable is going to be satisfied losing a game to the hated rival Philadelphia Eagles week 18, whether the game's meaningless or not for the New York Giants here. They're absolutely coming to play to win this game, whether or not they can pull it out. Time will tell, but they're not coming into this game with, especially after losing last week, especially with the season being down to, to have back to back home games where they lose last week and then they lose in week 18 and the New York media has to you de- de- live with that all off season about Brian Dayball's second season that's not happening they're going to be playing hard 100% Okay what you you don't have
1: any any opinion on Belichick against the Jets
2: I don't I mean I'm curious what I I, I know that uh the Podfather is probably not going to like the result <laughs> if you are correct in that the Patriots are going to win. But I really don't have a lot of uh, a lot of insight there. I have not bet that game in any direction at There's all. There's no nor reason am I to bet that
1: game. That's a stay particular away. Particular
2: props other than I want to see. Brees Hall and what they line him for his receptions because I will be interested potentially on those. They just dump the Trevor Simeon just like that's their primary receiving threat. It's almost yes. like you know all yes. Bill Belichick has to do is is take away Garrett Wilson and then all they're gonna do he he's satisfied down seventeen points of just chucking it 50 times to Brees Hall, even though those passes are gaining three yards per attempt, like that's their offense right now. It is the wildest thing um, to to behold. Speaking of wild to behold, I want to go through some of these betting buddies with you real quick, House.
1: Yeah, we put it out on the X machine. We got another great batch of feedback as always. And, And
2: I've narrowed it down to a couple of thought processes. One, we've got, Low ceilings, cover one, X handle is at low buffa. It's this dude's from Buffalo. And I've interacted with him before. Cool guy. Uh, he nice. likes Josh Allen anytime touchdown. The surprise, surprise, Buffalo Bills to win the game by two and a half. That's the current spread. I don't know why it says alt spread. That's the, basically the current spread in most spots. Two and a half. Josh Allen anytime touchdown and James Cook 25 plus receiving yards. They should be throwing the ball a little bit more to him. I don't know what the hell they're doing, quite frankly. But that's at plus 534 on FanDuel Sportsbook right now. Hold your thoughts on that one. I'm going to pitch another one to you. You're going to pick between the two. The second one is from Matthew Kohler, whose X handle is the same, Matthew underscore Kohler. And... He is a Justin Fields fan this weekend. And so he's just loading up on all the Justin Fields stuff. He's got, and this is actually, I don't want to spoil a surprise. You can tell me if I shouldn't say anything, but I know the podfather is all over the Justin Fields props as well. In fact, this is a very similar uh, parlay to some of the things I think the Podfather's cooking up. He likes this three-legged same game parlay. Chicago plus three Justin Fields over 203 and a half passing yards and Justin Fields over 51 and a half rushing yards. This one pays out plus 431. He calls it the quote, Packers defense
1: parlay. (laughs) (laughs) So he feels he's he's, he's speaking to me. I understand where he's coming from because that's any opportunity to to slander Joe Barry on his way out the door. I am here for it, but I want to quickly touch on that buffalo um sgp i like two of the three legs the leg that that gives me pause is the james cook leg and the reason it gives me pause is because we can't really get a good handle on what the f the game plan is going to be he's he's not getting consistent enough targets in the in the offense if i felt like he was going to he was good for between three and five targets a game, but that's not what the plot line is showing us. Uh, Miami against opposing running backs, catching balls out of the backfield is a, is a positive indicator. Um, I think that they've given up, you know, uh, yardage wise, uh, um, you know, enough to make that leg, Attractive, but I, I just don't feel like we can trust the Baltimore offense. And that's the one that scares me. I'm Baltimore, Buffalo. The, the, the Buffalo yep. offense. Yeah. Yeah. The any time touchdown for Josh Allen, that makes sense to me. If, if it was a Josh Allen rushing leg, so to speak, uh, then, then I would be all over this one. It would probably be my preferred one, even though I understand there is this, there is a sentiment out there that Buffalo is the square side. Obviously I'm square. So, you know, duh. Um, I don't think I can choose that one. Uh, and this Justin Fields one, because it has been demonstrated beyond a reasonable doubt, without hesitation or reservation, I am a petty better. And having been on the wrong side of investing in the Packers, uh, I don't like being at this point. The Packers should have already locked up a playoff spot. They got the thing that they were most hopeful for, which was proof of concept with Jordan love. They did a great job. They cultivated a guy who can play the position. It's the most important position in all of, of of professional football and maybe all of sports. And they got a good one and they have a young receiving core and they have good talent um, still on that offensive line. And that defense just sucks eggs. They gave up thirty points to Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers for Christ's sakes. And the Panthers had the ball with a chance to win that game uh, a couple of weeks ago. Let's punish Joe Barry on his way out the door. I'm going to go with Matthew Kohler. Great. I mean, you know, speaking of that, you would think that that would be a nice that the Kohler is is a Wisconsin thing, right? Isn't that where the the the, the big Kohler Empire? Is up there, uh, whistling straights and all of that. But uh, I, I digress. See, I have golf on the brain, Sharpie, because professional golf is restarted. Um, but this is the winner. I do like the idea of some some Justin Fields action. You you made the the case. You know he wants to be the quarterback of that team, and it seems like his teammates want him to be the quarterback of that team. So let's, let's go out in a blaze of glory.
2: Well, I don't know if Kohler is part of the Kohler empire of Wisconsin fame, but I do Probably know that not. he has since Probably moved not. to Richmond, Virginia, if his bio is correct on the X machine. So he's actually a neighbor <laughs> of ours, a little bit further south. Okay. But, but, uh, Matthew Kohler, you are the winner. Uh, good luck with the betting buddies same game parlay this week at FanDuel. Speaking of a same game parlay, The East Coast Bias boys, you guys have a great upcoming parlay for the very important for Jacksonville Jaguars against the Tennessee Titans game. We didn't touch on that game on the show today. If you want to catch opinions on a great same game parlay, encourage you to check out the Ringer socials over the weekend and you will find a same game parlay bet at FanDuel for the Tennessee Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in what could be the swan song for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, et cetera.
1: Yeah, but I just want to, I don't want to bury the lead. We're on the Titans money line. One of the legs for that parlay is definitely the Titans money line. Oh, Speaking there you go, the blaze of glory. There you go,
2: Joe House, spoiling all the all the <laughs> teasers. It's, uh, everybody knows now. That's just
1: one leg. One
2: leg. Okay. Okay. The the, the biggest leg of them all. The 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 one that's going to really <laughs> sock them. Uh, we'll see what happens. But that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Of course, it's been a great 2023 regular season for the Ringer Gambling Show and these Friday shows that I do with my good buddy Joe House. But guess what? We're not going anywhere for the postseason. In fact, deeper dives throughout the course of the postseason on these shows, fewer games to break down, more meaningful games, more betting angles to discuss, more matchup angles to discuss. Cannot wait. I love the playoffs more than any other time in the season. I especially love that divisional round. So can't wait for that one already. Thanks to Joe House for joining me. Thanks for Chris Sutton and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with all your bets this weekend.
1: You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit Fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42. In Connecticut, you can call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700. Or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Visit, in Maryland, mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, you can visit one 800 gambler .net, or in Wyoming, you can call 1 800 522 4700. Hope is here. Visit gambling or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call in New York 1 877 8HOPENY